Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Uh, we're going to start a new series today called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Uh, love that hymn, by the way. Uh, kind of inspiration for this series. But as we begin a new year, my prayer for all of us is that we will turn our eyes upon Jesus. Um, the hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, great song. I don't know if you know the history behind it. I had to dig it up. But um, this hymn was written um, by Helen Lamell in 1922. So it's just over a 100-year-old hymn. And it was inspired by the life of a missionary named Lilius Trotter who wrote a poem that she entitled, Focused, A Story and a Song. Now, you can Google this online if you want. It's quite a long poem, probably a two- or three-minute read. But I want to read the very last few lines of the poem that inspire the song. She says, It is worthwhile to let God see what He can do with these lives of ours when to live is Christ. How do we bring things to a focus in the world of optics? Not by looking at the things to be dropped, but by looking at the one point that is to be brought out. Turn full your soul's vision to Jesus and look and look at Him and a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from Him and the divine attraction by which God's saints are made, even in this 20th century, remember 100-year-old, will, will lay hold of you. For He is worthy to have all there is to be had in the heart that He has died to win. And I love that. In other words, let your soul have a vision so full of Jesus that the world becomes very dim and you become attractive as a child of God. Why? Because people see Christ in you. Because He is worthy to have all there is to be had in the heart that He has died to win. I love that. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I want to introduce this series for a moment because we live in such a hectic, busy world. We're bombarded with messages all day long. Whether it's our phone, whether it's a billboard driving down the road, uh, you can't go anywhere now without being bombarded by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages all the time. It's, it's so much now that we almost don't even realize it until something different catches our attention. I think Blaise Pascal, the uh, 17th century Frenchman, had a point when he said that all men's miseries derive from not being able to sit in a quiet room alone. I love this time of year because it lets me have an opportunity to have the space and the place to kind of look back at a year and process it look forward to the new year and begin to anticipate and pray what God might have in store for, for me, for you, for all of us. And many times I think we've grown accustomed now to where we don't know how to deal with ourselves when we're actually alone and things are quiet. It reminds me of the fact that we get so easily distracted today. Youth, I know you know this. I may not know some of the words, but the Pixar film Up. Remember Doug the dog? Doug is a lovable, likable dog. He aims to please everybody. Squirrel! Right? 
And he gets so easily distracted because whenever he thinks he sees a squirrel or hears a squirrel, he gets distracted. And so many times I think that's the way we are in life. We're, we're fine, we're focused, and then squirrel. And off we go, we get distracted on something. In the 1960s, Charles Hummel wrote a small pamphlet that became well-known and widely used in business networks. Uh, the pamphlet was entitled, The Tyranny of the Urgent. And here's a quote from that pamphlet that expresses the key idea. Now, keep in mind, this was written in the 60s. Just imagine what he would say today. He said, we live in constant tension between the urgent and the important. The problem is that many important tasks need not be done today or even this week. Extra hours of prayer and Bible study, a visit to a friend, reading an important book, these activities can usually wait a while longer, but often urgent, though less important, tasks call for immediate response. Endless demands pressure every waking hour. If he said that in the 60s, I would love to hear what he would say today, right? As we consider a new year and the priorities that God would have us, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 14. And as I said, this series is about turning our eyes upon Jesus. Being, taking a moment to be still and looking up and seeking God and turning our eyes and our gaze upon Him. Now, before I read the, uh, the passage in Matthew 14 about Jesus walking on the water, which is an awesome story, I want to set this up because something has happened before that. Um, Jesus feeds 5,000 people, okay? Had someone ask in Sunday school, there are a couple of different stories in Jesus' ministry. He fed 4,000 once and they had seven basketfuls left over. He fed 5,000 once and they had 12 basketfuls uh, left over. So it's a couple of different times that it happened in Jesus' ministry. This particular uh, story about the feeding of the 5,000 is in all four Gospels. And it tells us that one day Jesus in his ministry fed this crowd after he'd been teaching for a long time and they were hungry. He fed a crowd of 5,000 men, and that's not including the women and children uh, that were gathered. It could have been as much as 15,000 or more, obviously, or more, that came to hear Jesus teach, and then they were fed. And so Jesus took the lunch of a young boy, according to John's gospel. It was two fish and five small loaves of bread, and he prayed, he gave thanks, and multiplied it. And that little sack lunch fed 5,000 men and more. The disciples handed out enough bread and fish to feed everyone until they were full, and there were 12 baskets left over, according to Luke's gospel. The disciples were part of this miracle, and yet the Bible says they didn't fully understand it in Mark's gospel. The Bible says their hearts were hard or stubborn, according to Mark. And they knew Jesus was special, but I don't think they quite realized the big picture yet, that He was the Messiah. So now Jesus is about to do another miracle. He has fed the 5,000. He's sending them home on a full stomach. And now He sends the disciples across the lake to the other side. Let's pick up in Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the lake, that is, while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And well into the night, he was there 
alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And I'll stop right there for the moment. I've always been amazed, as I said in Sunday school, that uh, Peter, of all things, would say, hey, Lord, you know, if it had been me, hey, Lord, if that's you, just wave at me, right? Yeah, I need confirmation. Oh, okay, that's you. Okay. I would not have said, tell me to come out there with you, right? And yet, that's what Peter did. And I think that's a, an indication that whenever you see Christ, whenever you realize that He's at work in a situation and He's present in your situation, there's no better thing than to say, Lord, I want to be with you. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance. And that's what we're going to talk about today, about getting out of our comfort zone. But let's, uh, let's look at this scene for just a, uh, a moment as we ponder this story. This story is told in Mark and John as well as in Matthew, and I want to bring out their contributions to it. John tells us that the boat was over three miles from the shore, and that's in John 6.19. So he sends them across the, the lake, and now they're about three miles out into the lake. And Jesus is up on the mountain, so he's got a great view. And the Bible says that he could see them. Um, Matter of fact, Mark tells us that Jesus could see the disciples from where He was praying on the mountainside, Mark 6, 48. So they're about three miles out, and the wind and the waves are giving them all kinds of problems. And He's up on the mountain. He's been spending time praying to the Father, and He, he knows where they're at. He sees what they're going through. And then, before I finish this story, Jesus decides to go to them. Now, how's He going to get there? How else? Walk on water and go to them. And hey, He's Jesus. He can do that. He's the Son of God. Now, how do I know He can do that? Well, remember another story? Earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus displayed power over the wind and the waves, let me, let me quickly refer to that. That's in Matthew 8, 24. It says, suddenly... Uh, in Matthew 8, 24, suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus kept sleeping. Uh, I could do a series sometime just on boat stories with Jesus because there's different scenes in, in the life and ministry of Christ where He was in a boat with His disciples. In Matthew 8, He was in a boat with the disciples and He was sleeping. And there was a storm going on, and he was still sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up. Now remember, four of them were fishermen. They were used to this sort of thing. But it had them concerned because the wind and the waves were so bad. And so they woke him up, Lord, save us, we're going to die. And he said to them, why are you afraid, you of little faith? And then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. 
So this had already happened. That's the point. They had already seen Jesus before in a boat, in a storm, sleeping like a baby. They wake him up and he says, what are you, what are you worried about? And he, peace be still. And all of a sudden, no more storm, no more waves, no more wind. Just peace and quiet. So they knew that he had authority over the wind and the sea and the waves. And now they've just seen Jesus perform a miracle, feed 5,000 men. He sends them home. He sends them in a boat. And the next thing you know, they're in a storm. And where's Jesus? Last time he was with them in the boat. Now he's not. I don't know about you. I, always, I don't like storms, but if I know the Lord's with me, that, that's enough. But sometimes we wonder if He really is. And Jesus is on the mountain. He's praying. He knows where they are. He can see them. And yet they're going through the storm and it feels like they're without Him. And then Jesus comes to them in the midst of the storm in the middle of the night, in the midst of the darkness. That's why they were scared. That's why they cried out, Ghost! That's why Peter said, Lord, if that's you, because he wasn't sure. He thought it was, but he kind of needed confirmation. Lord, if that's you, I, I just want to be where you are. And he got the invitation, come. And what I want to tell you this morning is as we seek to turn our eyes upon Jesus, in the midst of your life, in the midst of maybe a storm that you're going through, in the midst of a circumstance that you feel like, where's God? What's going on? And you seek Him, He says, come. I don't know about you, but I'm amazed that they doubted and become distracted. But I shouldn't be surprised because if you keep reading the Gospel of Matthew, you will find that at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. He's appeared to His disciples. And in the last chapter of Matthew, chapter 28, He's appeared to His disciples post-resurrection. Okay, He's risen from the dead. He's visible and present with them. And He gives them that great passage we call the Great Commission where He sends them out into the world and says, I, I want you to know I've got all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, all right? Uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I will be with you to the end of the age. Right before he says those powerful words, and the book closes, it says that some worshipped him and others doubted. And I'm like, are you kidding me? They've seen Jesus do all these miracles. They witnessed his death. They knew he was buried in a tomb. Now they see him three days later risen from the dead. Now 40 days go by of him appearing to different people at different times and telling them what, what you know, the meaning of everything that happened, how he's got to go back to the Father. And now these last final words, and some are worshiping, oh yeah, and others are doubting. I've found that it's very common sometimes for us to doubt. And it always comes at inconvenient times. You might say to yourself, I thought I had this settled. I, I thought this wasn't a concern anymore. And here is Peter. Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. 
And Jesus says, come. And in Matthew 14, verse 30, um, we, we find that Peter steps out of the boat. And so actually in 29, climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And the Bible says immediately. I mean, Jesus was right there. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of Peter and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Does that sound familiar? Because it should. Remember in Matthew 8 when Jesus was in the boat and there was a storm and he's sleeping like a baby and they wake him up, we're going to die! And he says, why of you, little faith, why did you doubt? And he made everything calm. Now here is Jesus on the mountain while they're in the middle of the storm and he comes to meet them where they are. Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to, to me. We'll come. Peter steps out of the boat and he's walking on water. And then I'm sure he's like, what am I doing? He, nothing's changed. I mean, he stepped out of the boat. He's walking on the water. He's getting closer to Jesus, but the storm is still there. And it gets in his mind. It gets in his head. And he's like, what am I doing? And he gets his eyes off Jesus, looking at the waves. And he says, oh no, I'm going down. Lord, save me. And Jesus does. And he says, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? I love the fact that sometimes in our lives, we struggle with things. And we struggle with an issue. We struggle with a problem. We're, we're frustrated. We want our circumstances to change, but they're not. And we find ourselves going in circles and cycles of, of, of hoping God will do this and hoping God will do that. And, and many times it's linked to the last time we saw God do something and we trusted Him. And now we're doubting. And we go on this wild goose chase and the next thing you know, the very same thing He said back then, He's saying to us now. What's that mean? God hasn't changed. God hasn't moved. Okay? God is still where He's always been. And God's still moving. God's still working. God's still speaking. Okay? And here, He says, look, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. Why do we, why do we doubt God and why do we become distracted? I'll break it down to, for you this way. I think it's because we gaze at our circumstances, but we only glance at Jesus. And the answer is to turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's why I want to talk about this series for a couple more weeks, is to turn your eyes upon Jesus. As long as Peter had his eyes on Jesus, guess what? He was, he was seeing God do a work in him and through him that there's no explanation for other than I am trusting Jesus. I've got my eyes on Jesus. Oh my goodness, I'm walking on water. I'm in the middle of the sea with Jesus. This is so cool. The minute he got his eyes off Jesus, what happened? Exactly what you would think. He was going down. He was sinking. You and I have got to learn to stop gazing at our circumstances and just glancing at God. 
and flip that. We need to be so focused on Christ. So I want to share with you in the, the few minutes we have left, I want to ask this question. How can we turn our eyes upon Jesus? And I want to give you three things today. And I feel like that this applies to all of us, and it might hit us in different ways, but every one of us can do something here when it comes to turning our eyes upon Jesus. Number one, decide to follow Jesus. Peter, he had followed Jesus. He, had, he, he, he answered the call in another scene in Jesus' life when he was on the shore, and he had been fishing all night. And, 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 and the Lord said, Peter, I want you to go out and cast your, your, your nets deep for a catch. And Peter's like, Lord, he didn't say this out loud, but I'll say it for you. Lord, I'm a fisherman. You're a preacher. I know how to catch fish. I fished all night. I didn't catch a thing. He didn't say that, but that's what he could have said. Instead, he said, Lord... We fished all night, we didn't catch a thing, but because you say so, let's go. So off they went, into the boat, out to the deep water, they cast the net. And you know what happened? The Bible says that there were so many fish that he hollered over for one of the other boats. And they had so much fish, they were beginning to sink. And you know what Peter said? He didn't say, oh man, this is awesome. He didn't say, wow, I've never seen this before, which that could have applied. But you know what Peter said? He said, Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Why would he say that? Because Peter was already hanging around Jesus. He was seeing his miracles. He was hearing his words and he was rubbing elbows with him, being around him, physically present with him, sizing him up. And now... Jesus is doing something that only God can do. And it's in a way that Peter can understand. Hey, I'm a fisherman. If there's one thing I can do, I can catch fish. And now I have the worst fishing memory of my lifetime. And you're telling me to go right back out there and what? And then when I do, it's more than I've ever, ever caught in my life. Okay, God, what are you up to? And that's what happened in Peter's life. Peter made a decision to follow Jesus. By the time we get to this point in Jesus' ministry, at this point of the story, Peter had made a commitment to trust and follow Jesus. And that's why Peter, when he's in the middle of the storm, and he sees the Lord out on the water, Lord, if that's you, I want to come too. And that was his heart. Some of you, if you want to say, how can I turn my eyes upon Jesus? It starts with that step. Will you make a decision to trust and follow Jesus? Peter did. The second thing that we can do is to determine to step out of our comfort zone. And that really zeroes in on this story that we're looking at in Matthew 14. Many times we want to live life where it's safe, where it's secure. I mean... Here we are in a boat in the middle of a storm. That doesn't feel safe and that doesn't feel secure, but at least we've made it this far. And at least Jesus has showed up. And at least since He stopped a storm in the past, I think we're going to be all right. But the last thing I'm going to do is say, hey Lord, let me come out there with you and really embrace this chaos. 
But sometimes, God calls us to step out of our comfort zone. If you look at people in the Bible from the beginning of the Bible to the end, many times they were called to step out of their comfort zone. Hey, Abram, I want you to leave all your family and go to a land that I'll show you. Well, where is it? When are we going to get there? Are we there yet? And he went. He obeyed the Lord and he went. And I could go on and on story after story of someone in the Bible who just stepped out of their comfort zone. I mean, the three Hebrew boys in the book of Daniel that stood up to the king. They knew in their heart who was the king, and that's God. And yet here they are in a foreign land, and they're told when the music plays to stop everything you do, bow the knee and worship that image that the king had set up. And they're like, not looking for trouble, can't do it, won't do it. And then they got called out. The next thing you know, somebody told on them and they are ushered into the presence of the king. I heard that y'all didn't worship the image that I commanded everybody to, to you know, bow down to. So I'm giving you one last chance. Cue the music. And when you hear the music, you better bow. You better worship that image or you're going into a, ferny, a, fir, a fiery furnace. And they said, we can't do it. Matter of fact, they said, King, we can't do it. Our God is worth our loyalty, our love, and our obedience. And we just can't, we can't do that. And we believe that God is able to deliver us from that fiery furnace. But even if He doesn't, we're not going to bow. And you know the story. The king got so mad and enraged that they refused to bow. He told them to turn the fiery furnace up seven times to where it was seven times hotter. And the men that threw them in the fire died. That's how hot it was. And yet when the king said, what's going on? He said there was a fourth man in the fire. The Lord was with them. There's story after story after story in the Bible of people that stepped out of their comfort zone when God showed up. And maybe this year, as you look ahead to 2023, and you say, how can I turn my eyes upon Jesus, Brother Corey? Well, if you've already made a decision to trust and follow Jesus, you just need to be determined in your mind that if He calls you, come. That you might have to step out of your comfort zone. And I'm here to tell you that's okay as long as the Lord's the one calling. And then number three is to depend upon the Lord. So far we can say Peter did the first two. Peter had made a, a decision to trust and follow Jesus. That's why he was there. Peter was the only one of the twelve disciples that got out of the boat that day. Think about that. He's the only one that got out of the boat and he walked on water and he saw Jesus. That's incredible. But Peter would tell you, look, if you want to keep your eyes on Jesus, you've got to learn to depend on Him. When you see Him with you in the midst of your circumstance and your storm, and all of a sudden you get distracted, squirrel! And you start looking at the wind, the waves. You start looking at the situation. You start getting blindsided by, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? Why did I even think about... Why, why, why did I think this was a good idea? Look what's going on. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm following Jesus. And it's good, but nothing's changed. Is God working? Is God in control? And all of a sudden, our mind starts wondering. We start doubting. 
and we see that the situation is still raging around us. And because we get our gaze off Jesus, we begin to struggle and we begin to sink. And I'm here to tell you today that if you want to turn your eyes upon Jesus, you've got to decide to follow Him. You've got to determine to step out of your comfort zone when He calls. And you've got to learn to depend on Him every single moment of every single day. And it's my prayer this year as we think about where we are and the challenges that we will face, some of the challenges that we hadn't even thought of that God knows. He knows what the rest of this year, new year looks like. If you and I are going to trust Him, if we're going to turn our eyes upon Jesus, then I want to challenge you today to decide to follow Him, to determine to step out of your comfort zone and depend on Him fully. Here in a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And it's my prayer today that you will turn your eyes upon Jesus. That you'll look full into His wonderful face. That the things of this world will grow strangely dim in light of His glory and grace. So today, I want to ask you to stand as musicians come. And it's my prayer that if you don't know Jesus, you won't live another day or year without Him. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what kind of situation or storm you're going through, I want you to know that God loves you. That He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. That He raised Him from the dead on the third day, proving He is the Son of God. He's Lord of heaven and earth. That He can rebuke the wind and the waves and say, Peace, be still. And He can still the storm that you and I are going through. Today, if you've never made a decision to trust and follow Jesus, it's my prayer that you will right now. And those that have, praise the Lord, that's great. But what is God calling you to now? Is He saying, come, come, come to me in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos? You're going, Lord, is that you? And He says, yes, I want you to join me. I want you to join me. And then some of you that have done all that, I think many times we have to be reminded of the obvious. And the obvious is this, I can't do this on my own. And neither can you. I've got to fully depend on the strength that God provides each and every day. So wherever you are this morning, I pray that you'll come and trust and follow Jesus as we pray. Father, have your will and your way today. As we turn our eyes upon you, Father, I pray, Father, that your will would be done in our lives and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.